Welcome everyone to this episode of the Palmetto Guardian. I'm Sergeant Chelsea Baker. And I'm Sergeant Tim Andrews. And today we have Sergeant Mullen and Sergeant Hall with us. And we're going to talk a little bit more about security clearances. So if y'all would like to introduce yourself to everybody who's watching and listening. Yes, my name's Sergeant Tiffany Mullen and I'm the state suitability adjudicator for the state. I'm Sergeant Hall and I've been helping Sergeant Mullen with the adjudications and suitability. Um, I'm a personnel security assistant. So what exactly does that mean? Because those are like some big words. <laughs> so what exactly does that entail? <laughs> so suitability, is ba- it's quite simple. Um, with suitability, instead of security clearances, yeah, you've got to have a security clearance. But suitability, you got to make sure that the person is fit for the position they're going into. As an adjudicator, we look at different aspects of it. We look at financial. We look at criminal all the investigation pieces in order to find out whether you're suitable for that position. If you are, we or not, we make that judgment call. So what specifically was, um, I know that beforehand we were talking a little bit about technician versus M-Day soldier. What's the difference there? Suitability goes off of a different code. It's Title 32 U.S. Code 709, and we also use 5 CFR 731. Uh, to make our determinations it's basically it's a set of different instead of 13 adjudicative guidelines we go off of eight and we make that decision so what are some things that I guess uh, go into that decision making a lot of the same guidelines kind of carry over into the um, suitability portion of the adjudications but usually like Criminal conduct would be, like, the most, you know, probably intense one. Um, Also, delinquent debt and really, like, the nature of what, you know, what happened. So, if you were working with kids and there were crimes that you committed against kids, you wouldn't, you know, we wouldn't want them in a position um, serving, you know, doing that. Um, If they were somebody who worked with budgets and they had serious financial issues that they haven't mitigated, then we would feel like that may be a risk to national security and the things that, you know, we have in the guard if they were in control of stuff like that. For example, we've ran into an issue where an individual stole some PII. Um, Obviously, they shouldn't have access to systems that contain PII because they were bound and determined to use it for their own financial gain or whatever it may be. So how long would this process take when going through someone's records and all that? For the hiring process, because we start at day one mm-hmm. when you do the application. It gets sent to us, then we find out whether you're good. So the whole process should take about two to three weeks for mm-hmm. us to be able to figure out whether you're good to go or not. Okay. So, okay. Um, so just to kind of... Uh, give a little bit more clarity to everyone who's listening and stuff. So if you're in the military already, already, typically you already have a basic security clearance. So if you were to get hired as a technician or whatever other job that requires it, would that just be that you're good to go or would you still have to go through their file to make sure that they're suitable for the position? Um, usually, you know, anybody who joined after 2017 should already have a secret clearance. And, you know, the people before that should be, you know, really catching up and having them as well. So if they have already met their security requirements and they have their secret clearance that they need to have to be in the military anyway, then they would just um, 
we would have to look at the nature of the position that they had and just make sure that there was nothing in their files that went against that, you know, the requirements of that specific position. But like you said, usually with the Title 32 technicians, they're dual status and they should already have a security clearance. So we help them get it at the new hire level and also we help you maintain it and, you know, do what you need to do to check those boxes to keep it because since that is a requirement of employment. Okay. So as far as those who um, might not have that security clearance or maybe a civilian applying for like a Title V position, how does that affect them? Do they Is that part of the hiring process where they have to submit for security clearance? Absolutely. Um, Title V especially or any civilian, we, got, we deal with state contractors and state, civil, uh, state civilian employees as well. So we look at the position description. We determine it goes off a of low sensitivity, medium, or moderate, and then high risk. So we look at the risk sensitivity, and then we decide what kind of investigation they need, whether it be a tier one, a tier four investigation. Now, is this something like a kind of like security clearances, where every so amount of uh, every X amount of years you have to get reevaluated, or is it just one time if you're applying for a job position? Now, Tier 1s, Tier 2s, and Tier 4 investigations are good for 15 years. Okay. Um, you do go through a periodic review, and if anything derogatory pops, then we'll receive the notification and we'll handle it accordingly. Oh, okay. So I want to go back to – I'm sorry, were you going to say something? Mm. Okay. You look like you're going to the mic. <laughs> I was just looking. So um, I want to go back to where you were talking – giving examples of – somebody who is applying for a financial position but may have debt or whatever, what if you're in those positions already and you get in trouble with something that could possibly hurt you on the security clearance? Like, is that something that they should bring up to their supervisor to fix and not, like, hide and try to, like, skate by thinking that no one's going to find out? Like, can they redeem themselves from that? Or is it kind of like once it's done, you, you lose your security clearance? So what they would probably do is, you know, it should be reported, first of all, because hiding it will only just prolong the process and kind of push it off for later, but it will be addressed um, because we'll get periodic reports of things that go on. So they should report it to their supervisor, and at that point, their supervisor and the security office and HR, all of us might get together and kind of do that adjudication like Sergeant Mullen spoke of, and also... Their accesses could be, you know, affected by that in that process. But if it was a reasonable financial struggle, you know, and there's always ways to mitigate things. I think that Sergeant Mullen mentioned that before. Um, it may affect their specific job in that time frame of getting it fixed. But if it's something that's reasonable that they can, you know, come up with a, pan, a plan to pay back, then it should be able to be mitigated. Do you have anything else to add to that? So every issue has packets, derogatory, and it starts at the lowest level, and I think there's four, CE, RFI, SOR, LOR, LOD. So it's request for, you got the CE, continuous evaluation, you got the RFI, request for information, SOR, which is statement of reasons, LOD is letter of denial, letter of revocation. At the SOR packet level, Basically, your accesses can be suspended from the systems. At the LOD, LOR, you're, it's basically a done deal because it takes two years to get to that, that place. And if you get to that place, then I'm sending or 
Sergeant Hall is sending a letter of removal to HRO to have you removed from that position. So recently, uh, you guys had some kind of training. Is that something new? Um, that And how do people get involved in that? Like, what does that entail? So basically, the training we just put on was at the MSC level. We invited some of the supervisors to attend as well. That way, they can get a knowledge of it. Um, we do mention it and bring it up at the supervisor's course. And we love for anybody who wants knowledge on the derogatory information or anything personnel security or suitability to reach out to us. And we're more than happy to go out to them and start the training process. That way they can better help employees or soldiers and try to get the stuff fixed at the lowest level possible before it reaches that LOD, LOR, and they receive that letter of termination and it's too late by that time. Okay. Um, and one thing too, so I actually am in the process of, uh, I guess renewing mine because I've been in for, I just hit 10 years and time sure flies by. And I'm at the point where I'm having to redo my security clearance. How does that affect you? And well, first, what's the process of that to renew it? Um, and then how does that affect you if you don't do what you're supposed to do in that time frame? So initially within 30 days of your investigation close date. So you could call our office if you knew that you were approaching that time limit. Um, and within 30 days, you can submit a, re a reinvestigation packet. And your unit will usually help you do that. Um, they should send it to us. And there will be some signatures, I think, that they have to fill out as well. Um, that will get sent to us. We will initiate a background investigation again, like a reinvestigation. And... When we initiate you, you'll get like a series of emails. You'll get a code to log in, and you will fill out a questionnaire. It used to be on paper, so I think all of us who joined within mm -hmm. the last 10 years, like <laughs> right at 10 years ago, I remember we did it on yeah. paper. You're showing our age. Yeah. <laughs> so it was on paper before, but they've made it a little easier and kind of eliminated the possibility for us to make mistakes on paper, mm -hmm. um, and it kind of walks you through the whole questionnaire online. So once you fill out that online questionnaire, you have about seven days to do that, to log in. And then you'll get a few more days once you log in to work on it. You'll need to have all the places that you've lived within the last 10 years, people that knew you at those places. So when you get that first email, it'll give you a list of all the things that you need to be kind of digging up and finding before you log in. Mm -hmm. So you should have everything ready by then. Um, once you renew it, if there's no derogatory information that they really need to call you about and stuff, um, it's a pretty done deal, you know. Like they they do their side of things, and if you don't hear anything, that's usually good news. Um, so it's pretty much an easier process than to easier. initiate yes. the, <laughs> the original. Um, I know that I was specialist Niels has been helping me because I with work and. Um, like having to have a security clearance and all that, like I want to make sure that all the information is correct. I do it when I'm supposed to do it. I don't want any issues to have to go back and fix something or miss my time frame. And um, I like how they do send the the packet of, hey, this is the information that you're going to need so that you can um, already have some of that before you start. But there are some questions in there because it's like how in detail are they asking and like certain things I'm like, well, do I put all this information? Like, does it, does it, when you go to do the actual application, does it go more in detail of what specifically you need? Or is it still just like very vague? Um, it'll be specific questions. It'll, you know, if it asks about 
debt then it expects you to explain that and Mm -hmm. this got brought up at another training that we had like last week um they were talking about withholding information on the equip and how that affects things don't do it yeah that's not a good idea so (laughs) if you know that there may be something that's gonna be questioned then you're probably you'll probably have somebody call you and it'll be an investigator and i know that that can be intimidating sometimes but Mm -hmm. if you withhold the information initially then that just automatically kind of makes you look bad. Like, why did you hide mm-hmm. something? So it will be, the questionnaire is actually really thorough. And, you know, there's a possibility for you to put all the information in there. So that would be one of the, my biggest recommendations is, you know, fill it out thoroughly. If you feel some type of way about the question that it's asking, they probably will too, and they'll probably call you. But it's not, <laughs> you know, it's nothing that you can't explain and you know yeah with some honesty just kind of work through it so that would be my advice on that well what about like so I have a terrible memory and 10 years is a long time a lot happens like do you have to remember every single detail of like I mean the amount of times you moved your military history like do you have to know every single little detail or is there like a little wiggle room in between no there's no wiggle room okay. at all. <laughs> Especially like addresses and time frames yeah. and stuff like that. And and if you've been deployed, they want the APO. They want the addresses from where you deployed. Oh, and gosh. Oh, yeah, good luck now you're that. making yeah. me nervous. <laughs> yeah, I guess I need uh, to go find my orders. <laughs> it, 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 it tripped me up a little bit, and it actually got kicked back for corrections when I went for my TS. And um, I had to do a little bit of digging, mm-hmm. and I eventually was able to find the addresses from – you know, thir- 10 years ago. I would yeah. say, like, have an email now is really helpful because I remember, like, the name of the apartment complex. So, yeah, I guess not deleting emails is really helpful for me because I just typed in the name of the thing and, you know, I found the emails from them from when I lived there. So, Thank God I have my resume. Because yeah, like <laughs> I was like, where was I working? What was the address? Like, I don't remember. Like, I'm a technician. <laughs> the military is all I know for the last couple years. But, yeah. I mean... Definitely going through the process. I'm glad that y'all came in because I still have questions. And if I have questions, I know other people have questions. So um, I'm sure that there's other stuff that we could definitely talk about. But um, I'm glad that y'all came in. Is there anything else that you would like to add before we kind of close out? Or Andrew, do you have any other questions? Uh, Where would, uh, for someone who has questions, where, how could the, what's your best contact information that they could get a hold of y'all? It's going to be 803-299-4080. It rings the entire office, and you're bound and determined to get someone in the ProSec office or one of us. Um, you can also search us in Outlook if you want to speak to Sergeant Hall or myself more in depth on the technician side of things because that's what we we mainly handle now, and it's it's serious. I don't, I don't want to put out their numbers and everything, but we're in the process of working a policy – to get the tag to sign off on because everybody doesn't want to follow army regulations. They got to have a state policy put in place. So we're actually putting a state policy in place. That way you can no longer say, well, it's not our policy. It's going to be. So they can definitely reach out to us and we're more than happy to answer any questions because we know it's confusing. It's a lot of information and we're always willing to help. It's my passion. I really enjoyed helping, you know, when it's just regular M-Day soldiers who are not at risk of losing their jobs and stuff like that. And 
it's kind of like, okay, well, you know, I'll help you. But if it's somebody, like, that I can relate to, you know, Title 32 every day about a clearance, like, I want to be able to, to help you keep your job. Like, I couldn't imagine losing my job over, you know, something security-related. So That could be easily exactly. mitigated. So, yeah. so. <laughs> a lot of, I think most of the issue is the lack of knowledge and it's an education piece that's missing. So I really enjoy being able to do this, to put that information out there and you know, kind of make our names a little bit more known so that people know who to call when they have the issues. So, Yeah, awesome. Well, I really appreciate y'all coming in. And like I said, we'll probably have y'all come in again, talk about whatever other security topics there are. Or if anybody is interested in uh, attending the training, definitely reach out to them and find out because um, they'll put out some good information. But um, if you like this video, make sure you give it a big thumbs up. If you haven't subscribed to our channel, make sure you hit the subscribe button and we will catch you guys in the next episode.